welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Thursday, the seventh of November. I'm going to do another bonus podcast this week with uh, a Spurs fan giving an opposition view. Thanks so much to everyone who listened to uh, to last week's pod with um, with Burnley fan Natalie Bromley. Uh, got some great feedback on that one. So yeah, I'll try and do uh, try and do these every week with um, with an equally intelligent and engaging opposition fan. Uh, and I'm, I'm very pleased to have James York on this week's pod. Uh, James is head of analysis at Statsbomb. Uh, he is a Spurs fan, obviously. He's a podcaster, writer, very intelligent guy. Re- you know, someone I've, I've kind of followed and, and read for for several years. So, real pleasure having him on the podcast, getting his take on Spurs. So, yeah, that's coming up. Um, if you would like to get a case of free beer, then do listen to the end of the podcast, and there is a special offer which you'll probably be familiar with if you've listened to previous podcasts. But stick around for that at the end of the pod as well. Uh, if you somehow missed it, uh, myself and Andrew did a podcast on Monday looking at the Burnley game in great detail uh, thanks as always to everyone who's listened to that if you somehow missed it just uh, well scroll down from wherever you found this one I suppose and uh, give it a listen uh, alright let's uh, let's bring on James and, uh, and hear about Tottenham Hotspur alright I'm very pleased to welcome James York to the podcast now James is head of analysis at Statsbomb he's a podcaster he's also written for sites like ESPN and The Ringer he is, of course, also a Spurs fan. James, how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, happy that Spurs managed to win comfortably against, um, I can't remember who he played now, but it was, a, <laughs> it was a Champions League game, so that's all good. Red Star, wasn't it, last night? Yeah. Be- beating them twice now, and, make- and it's made things look good until the-, the reality of the Premier League kicks in, so... <laughs> Yeah, I watched about an hour of that game and I was, uh, well, first of all, I was slightly disappointed to see that Harry Kane had recovered from his illness. Absolutely no ill will towards Harry Kane at all. I just hoped maybe, <laughs> just hope maybe he could be out for 10 days or so and then, you know, come back after our game. And, yeah. Uh, and obviously Son banging in the goals as well. Um, but yeah, we're we going to talk uh, about Spurs' season so far. I mean, yeah, obviously a, a good 4-0 win away in the Champions League last se- uh, last night, but I, I didn't know. I, I was going to put this more bluntly, and then I thought it was a bit disrespectful. I was originally going to say, "What's up with Spurs?" as like my my starting question, but I suppose to put more meat on the bones, I guess Spurs' season so far. What is kind of behind their current underperformance? I mean, I know they're only well, you know, mid table at the moment. Uh, you know, and only really a couple of wins from getting into the the top six anyway. But a lot of the underlying numbers for Spurs so far this season have been, you know, of a kind of mid-table, lower mid-table team. I mean, what what do you kind of put that down to so far? Yeah, it's been pretty mediocre. Um, like, it's difficult. Like, Spurs' metric, you know, apologies for anyone who's listening who isn't that interested in stats. That's where I'm going to come from uh, in some ways. Uh, but... Yeah, Spurs' this season, their metrics are pretty horrible. Like, expected goals don't like them at all. Kind of rate them as kind of like bottom third of the league, even mm. that bad. Probably the worst, the worst kind of underlying numbers of the kind of three teams that we're not seeing uh, as much as much as might be expected. Say United, Arsenal, and Tottenham. And the thing is, Tottenham's, Tottenham's numbers have been bad for ages. Like all last season, they weren't good. They had a flying first half of the season where there were lots of games, but their metrics weren't very good. And then it kind of came home to roost a little bit in the second half of the season, which which was somewhat expected I think the results were probably a little bit poorer than you might have thought mm. uh, and they obviously kind of like limped into the Champions League and uh, maybe papering over the cracks a little bit uh, by actually getting to the Champions League final tons of injuries like tons of injuries throughout the, throughout the season mm. um, 
I I thought about this quite recently, and I I, I wonder if there, there's a bit of kind of exhaustion around the squad. I mean, they signed three players in the summer uh, to go, you know, in, normally go into the first team, and it's I think yesterday was the first time that all three of them actually got on the pitch because Sessegnon um, has been out for a while. Mm. Uh, Lo Celso had a had an injury that kept him out for a couple of months, and Dombele, he's been the one that's featured the most, but hasn't been, you know, kind of. He's started a few games, but he's missed a few games as well. We've seen a lot of winks of Sissoko in the team, hmm. uh, in the kind of central midfield, which I'm personally not a big fan of. I think it makes him a little bit porous. Um, the, we see less, we collect pressure data, uh, starts bomb because we're a data company, and we see that Tottenham are kind of pressing less than they, they ever have done before. If you go back two seasons and before, uh, before them, they seem to be way more active, higher up the pitch. Um, and... Yeah, the Winks and Sissoko in central midfield just feels just feels a little bit porous. You can kind of pass through them. Mm. You can get past them, and you're bearing down on the centre-backs. I don't know if Vertonghen's kind of hit the wall a little bit. Um, Alderweireld maybe doesn't seem as dominant as he has been in the past. Uh, there's loads of things going on. Right, a few players are on kind of like last year of their contracts, which is, has made the fan base quite sceptical about their motivational levels. Mm. I'm not really buying that. I, I think if... You know, for the most part, if you're a professional footballer, you, you, get, you know you're going to like put your effort in. Ericsson's got quite a lot of flat recently. His form's not been so good, and yeah, just loads of things going on at the moment. I I genuinely think, and I, in year six of Pochettino, there's, there's an argument that you know maybe the, his methods are quite kind of like motivational, quite uh, you know work hard. He, he, the way he speaks in interviews is always like we will fight, we will work hmm. hard, we will, and. It's possible that you know this group of players is kind of, um, they like I say they carried a lot of injuries through through last season. I, I think there might be an element of tiredness behind this because there's nothing essentially structural that's changed in the club, but the metrics have pointed like strongly downwards across probably I think probably you can go about eighteen months and actually hmm. uh, you know highlight areas where it's like okay this isn't going in the right direction so. I don't know what happens next, really. It's curious. Uh, you know, Pochettino's either got to kind of re- rebuild the team, re-motivate the team, and hope that the results go better. A home match against Sheffield United on paper, on paper, <laughs> is exactly what you want. Mm. <laughs> I, but you know, the, this, the reality that we're in now is uh, is that a home match against Sheffield United might not be as, <laughs> might not be the fixture that you perhaps hoped it would be three months ago. I've, uh, I think I've done a 180 on this in, in the space of about 24 hours where I was like, uh, when we recorded um, our pod on Monday, um, we said, you know, there's, there's probably never going to be a better time for us to play Spurs. Yeah. Um, particularly at that point, um, Son's red card had not been rescinded. Uh, Kane had obviously missed the Sunday game as well. So, oh, what a great time. But then <laughs> what Spurs last night, I thought, oh, no, <laughs> this is gonna, the narrative is going to be this is their first step towards uh, towards redemption on Saturday. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I mean, you kind of mentioned uh, transfers there and, you know, signing uh, only three players uh, ostensibly to strengthen the first team. I mean... And also, you know, alluded that this is kind of a problem that's been going on uh, before the start of this season. I mean, to that extent, did you see this coming, coming into this season in terms of, you know, a bit of underperformance at the end of last season, but they're not really strengthening the squad perhaps as much as some of other teams around the league have done? Is this, you know, what were your kind of expectations for this season? I think probably uh, I would expected them to kind of like be in that kind of fourth place uh, mix as mm. per usual. I mean, like Liverpool and City are on a, 
a different plane to, to the rest of the kind of big big teams in the league. Yeah. Chelsea, I was quite confident Chelsea were uh, better than a lot of people thought. People were a little bit sceptical because of their transfer issues and Lampard being slightly unproven. But I felt they had enough strength and depth in their mm. squad, good players, and that, so far I think that's been borne out. Um, as I say, the other the other three uh, bigger teams were all kind of were all kind of in a similar position as insofar as like they were flattered a bit by their metrics, uh, by their sorry their results and their position last season. But you still figure they've got enough strength in uh, in their squads and just talent that would see them kind of drift towards the upper echelons of the league. And I think that's that's generally what I would have expected. You know, I don't. People were saying, "Oh, Tottenham have signed in Dombele and Lo Celso, and these are great players." And I, I think they are very good signings and will will prove to be long term. But um, you know, the, there was a certain aspect of people that were thinking like oh maybe that's that's going to kick us into the kind of like title challenging uh, realm I don't think I ever saw it in those terms uh, but I thought I think seeing us comfortably challenging for like kind of top four was was easy to predict and expectable because that's quite normal I mean the thing is with um, with Tottenham and why I think they will kind of just naturally drift upwards as time goes on providing you know, providing it hasn't all gone completely uh, to pop behind the scenes, it's just talent, forward talent. Uh, you know, as you alluded to there, with um, you know facing this match coming, there there are match winners across the kind of front line in the attacking midfield band, and they will always get their share of goals to some degree. That said, they took four shots between them against Everton, which is dreadful, absolutely, mm. you know, really kind of like uh, poor performance. But it looked like that was a, in, <laughs> intending to be a kind of attritional get back on your feet kind of performance. I felt we play, played Watford and drew 1-1 one, one a few weeks ago and it felt like that was that was a kind of like, you know, drawing 1-1 one, one at home, home to Watford felt like a step in the right direction. I mean, who would have thought you'd said that a few mm. weeks ago? But it genuinely kind of felt that that's the case. I don't know. Pochettino's got a big challenge to kind of steer himself in the right, steer the team in the right direction right now. And... I think these new 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 signings, if they can get in the side, um, then that will help a lot because, you know, I, I, I personally would like to see less of Winks and Sissoko. They're fine on their own, but they're just, I, I don't know, they're just, they're just, just no kind of like defensive um, ballast in there, really. They, they, it's been far too easy to play through Tottenham in recent, in recent months and, you know, get, get in on goal. Mm. And yeah, that's about it, I think. Fair enough. Um, are, are there any uh, individual Spurs players that kind of surprised you so far this season, either uh, either in terms of good or, or bad performances? I don't know. I wouldn't say, yeah, I'd be hard-pushed to say anyone was, was uh, doing particularly well. Uh, I think the keepers the keepers have been better than better than you might think. Lloris has made a few high-profile errors over time, but he's generally, last 18 months, has actually uh, kept, kept more out than you would expect. And uh, Gazaniga uh, has come in and has been pretty decent. Um, I think, like I say, the centre backs. It, it feels like uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, you know, maybe a year past, year or two past their actual absolute best. Now, I wouldn't say anyone's particularly stood out. Um, funnily enough, Eric Lamella has actually had a really good start to the season. Then he, then he typically got injured. Uh, you know, he's the lot. He's a real marmite player for the fans. Like, what half of them don't like him, and the other, the other half love him because of his, you know, t- tenacity and. You know, he's the kind of um, he's he's the irritant factor in. He's not the silky midfielder that we once thought he might be, and he's actually. But you know, he's very combative, but he has got a lot of talent as well. I think no one else has really stood out um, in a kind of positive way. Ericsson's got loads of flack. Um, I think slightly unfairly. His 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 body language just uh, doesn't actually um, help. Just his natural way of being. He's quite. 
he looks if you think he's being blasé then you'll see it yeah. <laughs> i don't think he is i just think this is how he is he's really kind of an even tempered kind of player and it's it, because of his contract situation he's out of contract in the summer mm. like i think people have easily jumped on that as being to say like you know he's not put, thinking thinking he's not putting enough effort in I I don't see it myself I, the whole team suffered recently like Deli Ali he's got a couple of goals recently mm. um, but his general performances have been a little bit lacking but again they've got, most of these players are off the back of injuries like I think Deli Ali's about seven games back from his latest injury he's had quite a few hamstring injuries uh, Ericsson reportedly had a small uh, procedure in the summer and they really did go to the well last season like yeah. you know Ali played with a broken hand the last few weeks of the season, mainly because there wasn't anyone else to, to pick. And they went till June. You know, the Champions League final was in June. Mm. You know, they, I think they were genuinely pretty on their last legs when it got to the end of the season. And, you know, the turnaround for a professional football is pretty quick these days. So Yeah. We had the Nations League as well. Again, as I said before, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, Kane will, have, Kane will have been involved in that. He's had his own injury issues mm. over time as well. I mean, Touch Woody hasn't yet. Yeah, presumably, uh, it was just a small illness that meant he missed Everton. But, yeah, just, <laughs> I think that's a, a broad picture. It's not quite, it's not nowhere near what I expected. But it's, yeah, <laughs> it needs to get fixed soon. Yeah, well, it, it's in some ways, I can't remember, I think it was a, uh, uh, yes, it was. In fact, it was an Arsenal fan I was talking to about this after um, after our game with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Where, it, in some ways, it's not the worst season to, uh, or it's not the worst year to have a bit of a, a down year because it seems like all the other big teams are kind of having a bit of a down year as well. So the opportunity to kind of get back into top six, top five, top four is definitely there. So it, it's plenty of plenty of time to uh, to improve and get back in there, I suppose. So far. Um, so t- switching to uh, Sheffield United, then I'm very curious to get uh, any thoughts from you on, um, as an outsider, I guess, on on how United have uh, performed so far and how they've adapted to the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, incredibly well, uh, to be honest. I, I, I mean, their defensive record tells tells you everything, really, at the moment. I mean, what were they conceded? Eight goals, I think. Eight and eleven, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's amazing. I mean, even if they conceded sixteen, I think you'd be saying like they're doing well. Yeah. So, like the fact that they've conceded like half that is is remarkable. I mean, we, our expected numbers put them down. Expect them to have conceded fourteen, which again, like I say, that that would have been fine. So, mm-hmm. I think we can expect at some point them to start conceding more goals. Their defence is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's uh, you know as good as what we've seen so far, and that that will probably come home to roost over time. But who cares? I mean, they're doing fantastically well. I had a you know, quick look at the like shots and expected goals numbers, like season to season. Like last season, they were kind of twelve shots, four eleven against. Their expected goals were like plus half a goal a game, and that, that was pretty strong in the championship. But the, that's you know the kind of metrics that you would, uh, especially expected numbers, you would hope to see from one of the you know top teams. And they obviously got through that pretty good defence. Um, you know, they, they didn't really. Uh, allow much expected goals in defence and obviously came up this season they basically are allowing 11 shots which is the same so to go from the championship to the Premier League and, and allow 11 shots in each is really impressive that suggests that implies to me that there's something about the system that's that's working uh, obviously you're going to know a lot more than I do about the legendary three centre-backs and the, over, <laughs> the overlapping centre-backs and all this <laughs> business uh, but you know they're taking ten shots, conceding eleven. Uh, their expected goals is generally par. So 
I mean, it's, it's not as good as it was last season in the championship. That's fine, but the general shot profile is fairly similar. And to come up, to you know, to come up and basically be recording, you know, par, par shots in this league is incredibly impressive. I mean, like it's it's hard to do that. It, you know, I I would be inclined to think that their system is surprising the opposition enough, for, at least at this stage, that it's it's contributing towards uh, towards this. It, I guess it depends how long it takes for for other managers to really kind of like uh, probably give give uh, Sheffield United their due respect and like examine how to you know how to, how do you beat Sheffield United? I, I bet there are teams that have just turned up and just thought, okay. We're good. We can play Sheffield United. We don't need to worry too much about this, hmm. and you know, not not perhaps not giving them quite as much respect as um, as they should have. And basically, United reap the benefits of, of that. I think, and that will be interesting because as as time goes on, I think I can't think of a good example. There have been teams that have, have had like good first half to the season where they've come up and then slowly but surely, uh, you know, that they their results have kind of drifted and you feel like our teams have teams have got a good idea of how to play them now mm. um but i mean how many points have you got you, you've got to be close to being, points yeah i mean it, <laughs> it's ridiculous exactly. with it. i mean 16 points might not be enough to keep you up but it's not it's really <laughs> pointing in the right direction yeah I mean, you've only lost is. three games this is this is crazy you you know, you really are have got an absolutely fantastic platform to to stay stay on with. And I know you're sat there in sixth now. I mean, mid table, mid table would be fantastic. What did you expect at the start of the season? Were you just hoping to stay up? And yeah, you know? I, I, I thought we would stay up. Um, I thought we'd be in a relegation fight, but I, I thought we'd be like 16th or something like that. I just, um, I mean, you, you obviously hit the nail on the head with the defence, but that was that was the main thing for me. I mean, we came up with a, a real upper echelon defence in the championship, um, and I thought that would be enough to keep us in enough games where we end up winning 10 11 of them and yeah that's that's basically what i've seen i mean you know we've only conceded eight and yeah you know paid pretty close attention to those expected goals numbers and we are the uh we're overperforming uh xg against more than any other team in the league i think by like three or four full goals or something like that so as as you say that's that's probably gonna even out after a bit of time but it's still that would still be a mid-table defense which for a championship team coming up is really really good. So yeah, I thought we'd keep enough teams to uh, to zeros and ones against. Um, and you know, Wilder's an aggressive manager. We try and we try and win games when we can. So I, I thought that yeah. would um, put us in good stead. The the one um, I seen it this week on uh, there was an article on the Athletic uh, comparing us to Hull City when they got promoted for the first time in right. maybe two thousand and oh what was that? It was like two thousand and ten something like that. You know where they I think they were like fourth or fifth after about 11 games and they they won at Arsenal and all this Um, and then they didn't win they won like two games for the rest of the season but I I don't think we're like that because you look through their list of results and there's a lot of three twos they lost like five nil at home to Wigan or something like that I think our defensive base is so strong that we will be able to not get blown away by too many teams and we'll pick up enough points so yeah it's uh it's been remarkable I mean if we finish mid-table that's going to be an incredible achievement, I think. I mean, pretty much every yeah. everything I saw, bookmakers, uh, you know, pretty much every site had us to finish actually bottom of the league. Um, and yeah, we've uh, <laughs> we've done pretty well so far. We played some good teams as well. I mean, um, I think of the top ten, there's only the two Manchester teams we haven't played yet. Right. Obviously, uh, obviously got Man United um, after Spurs, so it's it's not been a, a, a cakewalk of fixtures either. Um, so. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an unbelievable start. Um, I wanted to ask if you've got any any particular memories of uh, 
of games between Spurs and Sheffield United. I've obviously not been in the same league for a while, but yeah. See, you asked you asked me this before, and I was like, no, I've got nothing. I don't remember ever playing Sheffield United. So I looked it. I looked it up, and it's well, like they've they've, they've they've barely played. They had a couple of uh, League Cup games, didn't they? I think mm. 2015, and then there's about like four games, like going back to about 1993. Sheffield United won six nil at one point. Yes. I was looking at that Spurs team didn't look too bad. It had Sharon a minute and stuff, and it was like. But yeah, I don't remember any of these games, and there weren't many of them, so I, I can't really. <laughs> I can't no, uh, really... no fond memories of League Cup semi-final of 2015. Then I don't really remember that. I mean, it's funny <laughs> League League Cup just kind of with with apologies, with respect. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, nice. League League Cup isn't something that's kind of uh, that kind of lodges in my brain. I don't think uh, you kind of you kind of move on. I don't know. Some some fans will remember every game with with intense detail, but it's, that's not not my perspective. Yeah, right. Just to quickly hit back on Sheff- uh, on Sheffield United this season, I think the fact that they're I, I said this before, like the fact that they they're essentially league average, like in any mm. way you look at them. Right, sounds like, sounds like being damned with faint praise, but it's not. You know, you're, no, you're, definitely not. You've been promoted last season. If, if, if you offer any promoted team kind of league average metrics, league average performance, to, you know, between eighth and twelfth place at the end of the season, they'd bite your arm off. And th- that's that's as big a compliment as I can give, really. And uh, I think you know, all credit to all credit to them. And yeah, I mean, it, it like I say, it'd be interesting to see how teams try and cope with them in the second half of the season when they've when they've seen a bit more and yeah. perhaps give them a little bit more respect and try and try and think how to outwit them a little bit more it's it's funny you mentioned that because it, it has happened quite a bit there's um there's been a few teams that we've played that have uh, have played a back three for the first time in uh i think eddie, i think eddie howe um first game of the season born with line up the back three it was something like the first time they've done it for like four or five years or something like that right uh, I think we've seen Leicester do it as well. Um, there's definitely another team that have, um, and it's been well, it's been kind of successful, particularly in uh, stopping us getting our wide centre backs forward. Um, the flip side is Burnley this weekend. Who uh, I'm not saying they didn't show us respect. I'm sure they justifiably yeah. felt they could turn up and beat us because they are an established Premier League team. But they went with a standard four four two, and we just annihilated them down the wings. You know, we just constantly mm. had overloads. Uh, their full backs were just getting pulled all over the place, and yeah, we all three goals kind of came from getting down the sides, basically. So yeah, it's, it'd be interesting if, if teams um, if teams in that kind of Burnley rank uh, line up four four two against us. I, I really think we'll make hay. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how it how it goes the rest of the season. Um, look, looking ahead specifically to this weekend, then. Uh, is there any any kind of one player you'd pick out from Spurs that United United need to be sort of particularly wary of? I mean, Harry Kane is uh, an obvious one, I suppose. But yeah, any, anyone else that kind of uh, you see as like the key to this particular matchup at the weekend? And, and well, I guess also any possible weaknesses that United might try and exploit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think and has been an intriguing player when he's got on the pitch because uh, he's he just plays a slightly different football to the rest rest of the Tottenham squad. Insofar as I think he hasn't been attuned to Tottenham's passing patterns and the possession patterns are really quite fixed. If you if you watch enough of them, uh, you realise that they they kind of like follow quite similar schemes uh, in how they attack, how they progress the ball up the pitch, uh, and. And Don Valley, he's you know the laziest comparison in the world was uh, that he was a bit moose and Dembele, and he's not because he's not this kind of like press resistant dribbler. He's he's far more of a passer, mm. but he genuinely he finds little pockets 
uh, in, in the central midfield and then makes passes that you wouldn't necessarily expect and that might just be a case of me having been so used to watching Spurs and knowing you know the kind of like the patterns that they kind of generally follow and he's not been kind of like ground down to this like we this is how we do it but he's really quite inventive and he can really pick a pass um, you know high up the high up the pitch and, and is really quite creative so I think he's he's definitely someone to watch I haven't really seen enough of Lo Celso to, to kind of uh, offer a similar comment to him but it'll be interesting to if the, if those two both start then there's a bit of a kind of mystery factor as to mm. uh, as to what they could do I think again if uh, the team that started um, in the Champions League last night was far more of the what do the fans want to see on the pitch kind of team mm. and it feels like he, he, uh, Pochettino has switched more back to his league team uh, which has been a bit more kind of like Wings and Sissoko Aurier at right back and you know slightly less kind of what the fans would would uh, like to see uh, kind of set up if you've got if you if you do find yourself facing Wings and Sissoko then like trying to um, trying to kind of like get onto them and uh, try and press through the middle and try and create Chances through the middle is definitely worth uh, worth considering. I think we've got a metric where high press shots, which is basically how many shots do you concede within a short amount of time after a turnover in your own half, and like Tottenham ranked like something like 18th in the league for that. So they're really quite vulnerable to, you know, if you hit them in the midfield and turn the ball over, then you know you can kind of get at their back line and and get shots off. So um, yeah, that would be something I would I would I would um, kind of focus on if I was. If I was, you know, doing a kind of little bit of opposition analysis. Mm. Yeah, well, we've been. I think our, our sort of um, our pressing numbers have been have been quite low this season. But I don't know if that's just because we've uh, kind of had to hang on a bit in certain games, like Everton away. We just sort of abandoned possession because we were protecting a lead. Liverpool at home, kind of out of necessity, really. So I think our like uh, PPDA numbers for the whole season look pretty pretty far down the league but I actually do think we are quite a good pressing team I think particularly since uh, Moussa has started to start as well him and McGoldrick up front press really well and actually we, yeah. we, end up, we end up getting a goal from that against Burnley and um, yeah, it, was, it was pretty successful against Arsenal as well and that's the thing it is it is a choice obviously you know between you know what your forwards are doing and what your what your defensive midfielders and kind of wing backs are doing you know it's it's it's, it's one thing having you know Muset or whomever you know trying to hit get ball high up the pitch but then you know if you don't get the ball then it probably is smarter to kind of sit in a little bit you know everyone's mm. going to have slightly different pressing strategies uh, I like Musa I'm quite pleased that he's doing well because mm. uh, I, I quite liked him before we went to Bournemouth and he was a per- perennial uh, bench man and uh, I mean the first few weeks of this season he was like oh he looks like he's going to be a bench man again but he's, he's managed to wriggle his way into the first team now and I think he's he's someone who showed promise in um, certainly in France and maybe didn't get enough chances at, at Bournemouth so I, I liked him as a pickup. I mean quite a few of your signings in the summer were a bit like let's see if this guy works which yeah. isn't a bad strategy really because you know you only need a couple of them to hit and I mean that's the thing is that Sheffield United's um, like how how do they like improve on what they've done already you'd, you'd love them to go out and get um, I don't know someone a decisive attacker in some way in, mm. in January I don't know how I don't know how, you've probably got a better idea of what that decisive attacker looks like within your team but like I feel like that that would be you know the cherry on the cake this season if you've got someone who could really contribute high up the pitch uh, you know maybe Mousset someone who's, who's you know moving in this direction and obviously these players carry, carry a <laughs> a high tariff but hmm. yeah I, I yeah. kind of felt, felt like you know the rest of the team's 
looks looks pretty solid but you know to attack i don't know if it's a finisher or a creator but it's just just someone who had a little bit of special source i think that could be you know could could be the way forward if you can yeah. find it now we've, we've been brilliant at um progressing the ball to the final third um but actual sort of penalty box uh entries have been pretty low so we you know obviously with the overloads and the wing backs we we get we get to kind of the the edges of the box really well but then yeah, chance creation up to the last couple of games um, has not been so good. But that was encouraging. West Ham away, you know, um, we created some really good chances through, you know, through good football, kind of progressing through their defence. And yeah, I guess Burnley we just absolutely blitzed them. So maybe we're kind of figuring it out. We definitely um, we definitely played more conservatively this season than we did last season, formation wise. I mean, at necessity really, we kind mm. of a- a- abandoned having a number ten in the team and went for for three in midfield. Um, but yeah, we, we're kind of, it looks like we're growing into that. There's the two of those midfielders getting forward in, in Lundstrom and Fleck had a massive impact against Burnley. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one develops, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear a bit of love for Moussa. Uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, I think, I think all our other signings, most of us, certainly myself and my, um, my podcast colleague were, were pretty high on in terms of like, you know, big upside to this guy. We know, at the very least, he's going to uh, he's, he's a good player in the championship. So if we end up getting relegated, then you know we'll mm. be an impact player there. Musa, complete gamble. You know, three goals in three years or whatever it was at Bournemouth. But yeah, then when you look at it, he's playing behind two very good Premier League strikers in, in Wilson and King. And honestly, the snippets we've seen from him very very exciting. And twenty three years old as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, yeah yeah a lot of scope to improve there. So yeah, he's, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, all right, James. I've taken up quite a lot of your time. I just want to, if you've if you've got uh, two more minutes, I just want to quickly yeah, yeah. Get, your, get your take on a few things from the Premier League. So, uh, very quick answer, if if you'd like. Um, who's going to win the Premier League? Huh. <laughs> Not a quick answer. Yeah, no, it, it isn't. Um, yeah, I, I, I. It means coin flip, but I can't. I, I can't tell you which way it's going to land. It's 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 too perilously close uh, in, in so far as quality, and obviously, um, I, you know, I think Man City are a better team than Liverpool, but Liverpool, mm. Liverpool are essentially uh, a very very reliable team. Like they they never they never kind of give up much at the back, really, and they generally. Bring their and their attacks to the table. They've had a little bit of luck so far this season. That's meant they've won ten out of eleven. But yeah, it's it's difficult. If 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 they were level on points, I'd, I'd steer towards City. But like you know, the mm. the, diff, the current difference does does count for a lot. M- massive game this weekend, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think if you look at the sort of the xG numbers for Man City and compared to Liverpool, it's like how is this team eight points behind? It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, those that lead, I was trying, I was sort of looking at that a few weeks ago. It's obviously been trimmed a little bit with the draw at, um, uh, at Man United. But yeah, I was looking at that lead and thinking, blimey, you know, they, they only, you know, they just win two out of three games for the rest of the season. Then that's going to be really, that's going to take something historic from Man City to, to overtake them. It's such a big lead. Um, who do you think will get relegated quickly? Um... Yeah, that's that's tricky because uh, <laughs> again, these things are these things are hard. I mean, like Norwich have had a quite poor run recently. Uh, I think Wat the thing with Watford, like the, their numbers look okay, but you've won yeah. zero games, you've won nothing. That's they're, tough. They're almost like the reverse of Liverpool in that regard, aren't they? Where like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're actually 
they're sort of uh, well under massively underperforming their numbers, but they've dug themselves into such a hole that yeah. it's going to be tricky. This happened to West. This happened to West Brom a couple of years ago. You remember, like Pulis, Pulis won, I think, two of his first three games and then didn't win another game. Hmm. Um, their metrics looked fine all the way through, and it was like, ah, oh, they're, they're okay, they're okay. Then they sacked him. Uh, then they got um, I can't even remember who they got, but it was a uh, oh Pardew, Pardew, yeah. which was just, I mean. No, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. That was just like this isn't a good idea, and so it proved. And he couldn't win a game either. And they went down, and you know, if any analyst in the club probably scratching their heads, looking at looking at the numbers, and thinking, what what happened? We we're all right, yeah. <laughs> but they just couldn't win a game. And uh, obviously, you know, that's that's the bottom line. You know, we as analysts, you look at metrics and you look at reality, and there's some there's some moment where kind of like. Reality is so strong that uh, that it will. You know, it doesn't matter what your advanced metrics are. You know, if you just haven't won a game for months, then yeah. I'm sorry. There's 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 bigger fish to fry. You know, I, the analyst voice is going to be quite tiny in the room. It's saying like, maybe you should <laughs> stick it out. It's like, look, we've won nothing. Come on. Yeah, and they've already sort of played the uh, played the wild card of changing their manager as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one the one team that's done that. Um, I mean, apart from that, I, I do wow. Who are we looking at? Because like Villa's attack's been quite good. Newcastle mm. have managed to eke out results. Uh, Southampton, you just don't, not really sure about. Everton, you can't see staying down there. It's tough. It's tough. There's gonna, I think there's be maybe one or two teams that you don't expect are going to end up in a end up in a rut. Like Burnley, good example. They've just lost three on the spin. Their metrics look okay, but yeah. uh, you know if they, if that turns into five on the spin or six on the spin, then they've got a hole to dig themselves out of. It's uh, and there's always one. I don't want to speak ill of you guys there's always one team that that people don't think about that drifts mm. slowly down the table as the season goes on <laughs> that could be a brighton it could be a palace it could be could be anyone but there's there's always one team that accidentally gets in trouble i think brighton mm. did it last season they, they looked quite good for a while and then and then but their so. metrics were horrible and the, you know they slowly but surely kind of like got closer and closer and then managed to managed to grimly hold on yeah, I mean Watford apart, and even even there, as you said, you know they, they they look a better team than their actual results suggest. It there doesn't seem to be anywhere near the the, the level of poor teams that they were last season. I, I thought this at the start of the season, to be honest. I, I mean, maybe it'll shake out that uh, I don't know. Let's just randomly select Norwich and uh, Norwich and Watford. Maybe they end up only getting like twenty five points, and at the mm. end of the season, this sounds ridiculous. But at the start of the season, I was looking at the league, going like, I do think we'll stay up, but at the same time. I don't know who's going to be down at the bottom. There doesn't seem to be an obvious car crash team. I thought Newcastle might be it, but then, as you say, you know they've picked up a few results as well. So I was having that thing where you sort of I'm looking around trying to find the bad team, and I can't see it, and then suddenly realise, oh no, what if it's us? But fortunately, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just... they stay in sixth place as long as you can. This is a good idea. This is a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. All right, James, uh, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so so much for giving up your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, where can people check out more of your work, or is there anything in particular you would uh, you'd like to plug? Uh, not really. I haven't written anything for a while, but um, you know, we with Statsbomb podcast comes out most weeks. Uh, I obviously work for Statsbomb. We're a website that uh, and a data provider that had, we we've got lots of articles on our website that, from lots of talented writers. So definitely go and check them out. You can find me at, at Jaya1970 on Twitter if you just want to listen to my ramblings and whatever. And I do occasionally write things, uh, but I haven't for a while because I'm busy at work. We're just busy, so. I bet you are. Yes, that bomb seems to be going from from strength to strength from what I've seen in the last couple of years. So yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, more power to you. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, <laughs> obviously, obviously, hope uh, 
it's a positive result for United. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I really do hope Spurs pick it up. They're a great next, team to next watch. Week. Next yeah, week yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big fan of Pochettino. Uh, you know, love watching that team in the Champions League and Premier League for the last couple of seasons. So I hope it, uh, hope it turns around and they get back to this uh, dynamic attacking side that are great to watch. Oh, indeed. Thanks, mate. All right, a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. First of all, let me hit you with a question. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? I know it sounds extremely good to me. Well, the good folk at Beer52 are offering just that to BladesPod listeners. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So if, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely the one for you. Beer 52, don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. So sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You can get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. (laughs) 